Okay, well, it is a little bit funny <laughs> that I should be here talking to you about stress. Um, I told a couple of you who have said, oh, I'm coming on Thursday or I'm looking forward to hearing you, that I am somewhat of an expert on stress, not the kind you might want up here telling you about stress, um, because I'm not at that point in my life where I can say, oh, I know I was in that stage and it was stressful and here's how I cracked the code on stress. Um, because I'm deep in it, and this is, uh, this is a big issue for me, stress. And so this morning, I really wanted to um, come and not so much give you the presentation on stress management. I even at the last minute told them, I'm not even going to do the, put my notes up on the slides and stuff like that, lest I represent myself at all as someone who can come give some kind of presentation on stress. Um, I want it to be really personal. Um, I want it to be just me sharing with you guys my struggles with stress and what God uh, has shown me about that and shown me about myself and the way that he is prodding me on to deal with stress and the way that I'm aspiring to handle it and sometimes better than others. Um, so that is what this morning is. I get stressed. <laughs> uh, in fact, just this week, um, I had had this great quiet time in the morning reading out of the Proverbs and about how a wise man puts a guard on his mouth. And I was like, yes, good reminder for me, guard my mouth. And just later that morning, my boys were being crazy. I'd asked them to put their little laundry away, clothes away in their drawers. And I go in because I hear screaming and mass chaos. And, you know, the drawers out of the dresser across the room and there's like broken wood on the floor. You know, I'm like, it's open a drawer, put in a shirt, close the drawer. I don't understand how the drawer is over there. I don't understand how we have destruction. I don't. Um, you know, but I'm like, oh, guard over my mouth, guard over my mouth. So I was like, guys, this is really disappointing for me. You are not taking care of your things. You're not obeying mommy. This was not crazy time. And Noah goes, excuse me, mommy. Noah is my oldest one. Excuse me, mommy. What is that thing you're doing with your voice? And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, it's real quiet. <laughs> and I was like, well, well because I'm, I'm very frustrated that you guys have acted this way, but I still want to talk to you in a, in a kind and patient way. And he was like, good job, mommy. <laughs> so I was like, you know that you have an issue with stress when your kid's like, what's that new thing you're doing with your voice? It's quiet. Um, so... Yeah, so I'm not just trying to be humble or something when I say I deal with stress, like I get stressed out. So um, I want to talk this morning about, you know, we hear stress all the time. We hear, I'm stressed out, I was stressing all week, oh, he's so frustrated because I'm getting stressed about whatever, like we throw that word around a lot. And I want to give us a definition that I kind of want us to have in our heads while we're talking about stress this morning, which is the definition you would Am I feeding back just a little bit? Is it because I think I turned this one off? Oh, okay. Um, sorry. Uh, so anyway, it's the definition you would understand if you were looking at it from a physics standpoint. You know, they use the word stress to talk about an external force that creates internal pressure on an object. And that's the definition I want us to have in our heads because I think that's a really helpful visual, the external force that creates internal pressure on an object. So like, you know, they would do a stress test on a bridge to make sure the external force of the cars driving over the bridge didn't create so much internal pressure within the bridge that it couldn't serve its function. Um, 
Or, you know, recently we heard about the stress tests on the banks, right, in the country, because the external force of the housing crisis and the financial market chaos had created so much internal pressure on the banks that their lending and their financial stability and all that was compromised. So they did a stress test to kind of evaluate where their weak points were, what their capabilities were, and all that. I thought it would be super practical for us this morning if we kind of started off with a stress test. So this sheet that you have um, on your table that everyone should hopefully have that says stress test, um, I was thinking it would be great if we took a few minutes. I'm going to have them play a song back there. Um, and it's like a five or six minute song, so you don't have to like race through. But just kind of think through, maybe think through the past week or the past month or just kind of what are situations where you say, would say you find yourself stressed? What's that external force? What's the situation? You know, I put the example of, you know, the kids are, were wild in the doctor's waiting room. It was stressful. Um, and then what was your external reaction to that? Did you snap at the kids? Did you go binge on junk food? Did you just sit them down in front of the TV for hours so you could escape? What is your coping reaction to the stressful situation? Um, so just spend some time thinking through a couple of those scenarios. If you have time, um, start to go back and fill in this last box, the heart response. What was going on internally, like the deep root of of things. You were stressed out in the doctor's office when your kids were wild in the rating room. Why were you stressed out? Because you felt embarrassed? Because you felt uh, like you were a bad mom? Other people would think you were a bad mom? Is, that, is it your image? Is it your sense of identity? Like, kind of start to maybe think through some of those things, too. So that as I talk for the rest of the morning about the stress as it has um, come up in my life, you can have a real specific frame of reference for your experience of, uh, just as we're talking, so it's just not me up here talking about myself. Um, so anyway, if you guys will spend five or six minutes just kind of thinking through that. We'll keep going after, uh, after you guys finish. Okay, so as you kind of have uh, your stressors in your head, um, you might have been, when you read the description of the class, uh, and it started out with uh, resisting apathy and chaos. You might have been a little bit confused as to what apathy even has to do with stress, because it's not two things I think you normally hear um, put together, apathy and stress. Um, for me, whenever I hear, most of the time, when I hear stress talked about, it's when you've taken on too much. When you're overcommitted, you've overextended yourself, you, learn, you need to learn to say no. Um, and you're stressed. And that's true a lot of the time, for sure. But for me, God has uh, shown me that a lot of my stress actually comes from a different place in my heart. Um, so I share that with you this morning. Apathy, um, I realized that was part of my problem several months ago when I was driving in the van with my boys one day. And I'd just gotten off the phone with a friend of mine, and I'm thinking about that conversation, and I'm you know, trying to pay attention to where I'm going and, you know, driving on the road. And I hear Sam in the back, my three-year-old, uh, say, Mommy, was that a forklift? And um, it's very important that we identify any construction vehicle that we may pass on the way. And not just him, but he needs me to confirm it and be excited about it and all of that. And I know this. <clears throat> but, you know, I wasn't 
I was just in my head, and I was thinking about this conversation, and I kind of had my own world going on, so I didn't really answer him. But perseverance is very important to him, and so he was like, Mommy, was that a forklift? And, um, you know, I don't think I responded still. I was kind of just doing my own thing. So, you know, Mommy, I think that was a forklift. Did you see it? Was it a forklift? And my answer was, I don't know. Right? (laughs) It wasn't, I don't know, bud. I didn't see it, which might have been on another day. Um, But no, it was, I don't know, which is very different than, I don't know. You know, you're saying two completely different things, obviously. And the Lord just spoke to my heart in that moment and said, you didn't just tell him, I don't know. You told him, I don't care. And um, that was a big revelation for me because I realized God has really been waking me up to a lot of times in my day with him where my tone or my words or my actions communicate, I don't care. Because you know what? I don't care about forklifts. I don't. I don't care about if you sit in this chair and you sit in this chair. I do care about the fact that we have this conversation every time we sit down to dinner. But I don't care if we watch Backyardigans or Rescue Heroes. I don't care about all these detailed things that I get caught up in. So, um, you know, the question that I think needs to be asked then that follows is, what do I care about? You know, it's not forklifts. Okay, I don't care about forklifts. Uh, but the question that I have been learning to ask myself in moments when I find myself responding in stress is, what am I passionate about right now? You know, I don't, I don't need to be passionate about forklifts, but, you know, nurturing a relationship with my son where he knows that I'm excited and eager to engage with him over what he finds exciting in his world, I, I can be passionate about that. You know, I want to be passionate about that. And not that I need to stop whatever I'm doing anytime my child opens their mouth and just, you know, run down that direction. But how hard would it have been for me to say, hey, Sam, you know what? I didn't see that. I, but I need three minutes to figure some things out in my head and then let's play a game where we see how many forklifts we can find on the road. And he would have felt like I'm there, like I care, like I want to engage with him. I would have had my few minutes to finish up thinking about you know, the details in my head that were important, that I needed time to process, and we could have moved on. But my, one of my big struggles is perspective. And, um, and a perspective is another word that you hear a lot, but I want us to really think about perspective by definition is the capacity to see things in true relation of their relative importance. The capacity to see things in true relation of their relative importance. Okay, the forklift, not so important. But that moment wasn't about forklifts. That moment was about me engaging with my son. My, that moment was about me dying to myself a little bit in that moment and recognizing he has a need and, and leading our family in that moment. Um, perspective is a big thing that I, that I struggle with because if my day is about sitting on the potty long enough to where we, you know, don't have to make another potty break later when we're out. And it's about stocking the pantry so that I can make healthy meals, so that I can clean up the dishes, so that I can go buy more food, so I can stock the pantry, so I can make healthy meals, so I can clean up the dishes. I am bored. I don't, mm, you know, I like to eat healthy and I like to cook, but if my life is about that, I'm stressed. Um, so I will share with y'all something I wrote in my journal several months ago. Um, And I read this to myself on a weekly basis, if not sometimes daily basis, to remind myself 
this is kind of how God is shaping my understanding of perspective. Today is not about laundry. It's not about repeating myself, preventing meltdowns, or keeping the pantry stocked. And I refuse to let the demands of the day deceive me into thinking anything so trivial. Today is a vehicle for me to serve God's purposes in a way unique from every other person on the planet. The man I love most cannot experience everything God desires for him unless I actively labor towards that end. To love is to die, and it is a privilege to die for him today. I have three hearts taking shape before me in the shadow of my words, my tone, and my actions. Their crying isn't an inconvenience. It is a window to strengthen them with gentleness in the midst of their weakness. Their fighting isn't an irritation. It is one more chance for me to prepare them for a lifetime of resolving conflict biblically. These days that seem so long will soon be years that pass so quickly, and I will not choose to live now in a way that seals future regrets. To love is to die, and they are worth me dying today. Today calls for more energy, more patience, more love, more grace, more gentleness, more resourcefulness, more perspective, and more wisdom than I have. So let me recognize this morning that my only hope of redeeming this day is to come to Jesus and die, that his life might accomplish through me greater things than I can even imagine. To love is to die, and he knows everything there is to know about that. And I read that to myself on a regular basis to remind myself that there's a bigger picture. And it's not the laundry, and it's not the dishes. It's loving my kids. It's following Christ's example. It's this whole great, noble, bigger picture, right, that can be so lost in the details. And then the details start stressing out everything. The external forces just creep in on that. And... um, And then life is miserable for me and everyone around me. Um, So resist apathy. That's a big thing. Resist apathy for me. Choose passion. And you have to choose what you're going to be passionate about. The default position for passion is me. And when I wake up in the morning, I am passionate about what's fun for me, what's convenient for me, what's not more work for me. Um, That's just my default. And I have to choose my passions wisely. Anytime we go out for a public outing, it's pretty much a recipe for stress. If I take my kids anywhere, like, there's a great probability that I could be stressed out. Because if I'm going to the grocery store, what I'm passionate about in that moment, just by default, my flesh is getting everything I need so that I don't have to come back again so that there's not more work for me because I am passionate about my convenience. And I'm passionate about it happening, this whole trip happening without too much drama without too much meltdowns, because I don't like getting looks from other women that say, you're a bad mom, and I don't like feeling like a bad mom, because I'm passionate about my image, I'm passionate about my identity, which sometimes I find in what I can accomplish, and what I feel like I have done to make myself a good mom. Uh, The problem is that the external forces within Super Target totally work against those passions. Like, the world, y'all know this. Y'all know that you laugh because you know this. Because you go into Super Target and it's like the world falls apart. Like we can have had a fine morning, but we get in there and it's craziness. I get you keep your hands to yourself. He doesn't want you to put your foot in his lap. Where is your shoe? We lost it like six aisles back. And they're throwing things out of the cart as fast as I can put things in. And, you know, the older people are kind of looking at me like that woman has no control over her kids and, you know, whatever. 
And I can be so stressed out because what I'm passionate about is having so much force put in on it that it can't coexist and something has to happen. And usually it's me snapping at my kids, trying to control the situation. And, you know, you and y'all have seen those mothers, and you've probably been those mothers at times. You know, if you do that one more time, you know, I'm just going to control this right out of you so that I can have my efficient grocery store trip. <laughs> and <laughs> it's horrible. Um, but when I'm passionate about so I really I have to ask myself, Many times a day, what am I passionate about right now? God, help me be passionate about something that matters. When I'm passionate about the grocery store trip being an opportunity for me to reflect the kind of love and patience that someone who knows Christ can have, then even the crazier my kids are, the better it is. Because people are amazed. People are amazed that you can be patient with your kids. They expect you to be stressed. Everybody's watching, and y'all know that. Everybody is watching at the grocery store when you have your kids there. We have gotten, just this week, uh, I've heard, wow, three boys, that's a lot. And I've heard from someone else, people have, they have to comment on it. I, we don't ever go anywhere that people don't comment on the fact that we have three boys. Um, I've heard, uh, oh, I know you must be busy at your home. Of course we are. I've heard, um, I've heard... I've heard this one several times. There's a special place in heaven for moms with three boys. And then uh, my favorite was just a couple days ago at Sprouts when we only had four things. Everyone had one thing. All we had to do was go up, put it on the belt, pay for it, and go, right? It could have been very simple. But no. Um, You know, I put my thing down. Ben put his thing down. Sam didn't want to put his down because it's kind of a race with the belt to see who's his or Noah's, who's going to go on. For You know, boys just can't put something on something. Simply, I know this, but the checkout woman was completely stressed by my kids for like five seconds. I'm like, this is child's play. You could never live in my house. <laughs> and um, she's like getting on my three-year-old. You know, she's like, I need to check that out. You've got to put it on the belt. Well, of course, he doesn't just put it on the belt. He throws it on the belt. Not meanly, but... Why put something down when you could throw it? And she's like, you shouldn't be throwing things. And I'm like, wow, she's like totally on my kid right in front of me. I'm like, hmm, how am I going to deal with this? And, uh, and so she turns to me and says, wow, aren't you glad school's out for the summer? And I was like, no, you just didn't. You know, I'm like, wow, you know, that's so insulting and so sad that you can't be around my, and my kids aren't bad kids. They weren't being defiant. They weren't being ugly. They were being a little rambunctious, and they need to learn how to respect people in stores and things like that. They totally do. But it's, they're three and four, and anyway. Uh, so I just said, you know, yeah, boys have so much energy. I wish I had a fraction of it. You know, I could conquer the world, right? And she was like, mm, you know. And, uh, and I would have loved to engage with her more, except for then they were, like, destroying the cash register behind us and Ben's running off and getting in somebody else's cart. And I'm like, what? You know. So, uh, but it's so fun. They expect me to be stressed. They expect you to be stressed. People watch you. And, of course, you're going to be stressed because it's chaos, right? Or it's out of control. It's not convenient. It's not fun. And how great it is for me in moments when I do handle my kids well when they're out and they're being crazy and my passion isn't, 
my agenda, but my, my passion is how do I nurture these kids? How do I reflect the love of Christ right now? And I deal with them in a gracious way, in a patient way. And I have people stop me and go, I don't know how you do that. And that has happened I'm not once or twice that people will say, I don't know how you handle that. And I'll say, oh, my goodness, I can't. It's only Jesus. And usually they'll kind of laugh. And I'm like, you think I'm kidding. I promise you I'm not. (laughs) This is much crazier than I can handle. And even if that's the only thing they saw from me, someone who said, man, I love Jesus, and I'm not going to treat my kids like they're punishment for me. I'm going to treat them with dignity and patience and kindness. And I can't do it by myself, but Jesus gives me the strength to do it. Then great, the grocery store trip was just profound and purposeful. And I can totally be passionate about that. If it's just about filling up my cart with stuff, that just stresses me out. It's just work that's never done, you know? So, um, so I would encourage you to ask yourself, in times when you find yourself getting stressed, what am I passionate about right now? And I have to pray a lot of times, God, help me be passionate about something that matters. I'm not. I am passionate about me not having to do any more work right now because I'm tired. And I'm passionate about me. It usually comes back me. <laughs> Very passionate about myself. Um, so, but I love that quote that I had in my journal. It came out of this book, A Mother's Heart. I don't know how many of you have read this. It's like the best mothering book ever. If you've read it, you know that's true. By Jean Fleming. I love this book. And she had that statement in there, to love is to die. And I, I love that. I'm like, yeah, that's true. If, if I woke up and said, my passion today is going to be dying myself, modeling that for, uh, for my kids, the way Christ died for us, serving them selflessly. How can I do that today? I'm going to be excited to do that today. Then the tough stuff that comes up isn't just isn't stressful. It's more of an opportunity to, to do that. It furthers your goal. Um, so that stress that, that is caused by my passion is totally out of line. And it needs to be checked. And I think a lot of times we struggle with that. I think there's also, what time do I even go to? I don't even know. I'm just going to keep talking for a long time. Okay, 11, like 1130, 1115? Okay. Okay, great. I should have asked that before I started talking. Um, So another area where I find myself uh, struggling sometimes is it's a little bit harder to... um, to diagnose, I think. It's because when you have a good passion, a passion for something good, but yet you still find, uh, you find yourself being totally stressed out by it. And the example I'll give you from my own life is um, the area of raising boys in this culture. Um, Raising boys who are going to pursue purity and righteousness and honor Christ and honor women and honor their bodies in a culture that is nothing but visual stimulation and sexual indulgence and all of that. I have a passion for a really good thing. But, but for a long time, whenever anyone talked about um, just that whole dressing modestly or, you know, porn or whatever, like I would get stressed out because there are so many external forces that I cannot control that work against my passion, my good passion for my boys to have life and not make destructive choices. And there's so much that works against them. And so for a long time, I prioritized um, 
my world on, kind of shielding them from those external forces. So, like, I, it would make me mad every time we walked by Victoria's Secret in the mall. And, you know, the larger-than-life poster of the woman with her teeny-tiny bra and her not-so-teeny-tiny boobies, you know, is, like, huge. And I'm like, I can't bear that, like, from his littlest, littlest, teeniest, tiniest days, those are the images he has in his head. You know, how am I ever going to teach them that this is not, it, her body is not your business? When it, they're making it his business, it's right there at North Park, and it's 15 feet high. Um, you know, so that just stressed me out. And, um, and so I realized uh, one day we were in Sprouts again. We do a lot of spiritual growth in Sprouts. Um, <laughs> Noah was, I had all my kids there, right? It could have been a very stressful experience. But uh, Noah's helping me load stuff onto the belt. Noah's my almost five-year-old. And... Um, and I notice as I'm putting stuff on the belt that he has stopped and he's standing over there looking at the magazines, of course, that are like right at his little level. And it's the, you know, some fitness, women's fitness magazine where the woman's in her bra and her abs look good and her blue, blue panties are, you know, teeny. And um, so she's standing all how they stand, you know. And this is her. And, uh, you know, and he's just standing there studying it. And, like, my initial response is, like, ah! you know, but I, like, brought myself down, and God totally redirected me in that moment. I went over there. I stopped loading the belt. I just went over there. I squatted down by him. I was, like, Noah, what do you, what do you think about that picture? And he was, like, I don't think I like it. I said, hmm, why don't you like it? He said, well, I think those blue panties are really silly. And I was, like, okay. I said, yeah. I said, you know what I think about that picture? And he said, no. I said, you know, I think it's a little bit sad because I don't know if anyone told her that we don't let people see us in just our underwear, right? That's private. And he was like, right. You know, like, oof, good point. And I was like, I said, yeah. You know, I don't know if anyone has told her that. Or maybe she forgot. I said, I don't think she made a very good choice in letting people see her in her underwear. Do you? He was like, no. I said, but you know what? We can still make a good choice and choose to not look at it. So I just turned it over and um, I said, so you know what? Let's still make a good choice and we won't look at it. And he was like, okay. And that was it. And it wasn't some like big sexual whatever, you know. But, but I realized this huge stress left me in that moment because I was like, okay, my priority shouldn't be shielding them from every possible external force. My priority is now kind of redirected in this good passion towards let me teach you how to deal with these external forces that I can't control, that I can't keep out of your world. So the Stellic boys at three and four are learning what we can look at, what we should look at, what we shouldn't look at in very age-appropriate you know, non-sexual ways. But then, but then that's exciting for me. It's freed me from this desire to control the situation to produce this result. That's a good result. It's a good goal. But, it, but in that, God was really, I think, helping me see what my role is, what his role is, what I can't control, you know, uh, that I can't control this world, that he is ultimately caring for my boys. And I can do what I can to prepare them, um, 
but God's sovereign. And that's the key, you know, the description of the class is resisting apathy, choosing passion, and delighting in the sovereignty of God. And that's where I think the whole, the whole crux of the issue is. is not just understanding that God is sovereign, um, but delighting in the fact that God is sovereign and that he brings things into your day all the time that are not as you planned, but that those, all of those things are useful to him, that they're all purposeful, that they're all opportunities for greatness that you didn't even know about. Uh, because, you know, sometimes stress, you know, the stress that we can have with, uh, you know, because our passions are totally skewed or because we're passionate about something but we just have misprioritized or misdirected those passions in a way, that's it sometimes. But sometimes stress, it doesn't happen, I mean, for anything we do. You know, your husband gets laid off or you have a chronically ill child. I mean, those, are, those can be stressful situations. Uh, you know, the heart of it is do you delight in the sovereignty of God? Do you recognize everything that came into your world today came through him for a purpose? And do you, do you delight in that? There's a 5C question that every stupid year that I take that thing, I get so mad at because I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, and it's in the sovereignty, that question about sovereignty of God, it says something like, uh, oh, how does it go? Like, I understand the sovereignty of God and therefore feel less of, a lead, less of a need to control my circumstances or something like that. Every year I read that, I'm like, dang them, I know it. I just don't, like, totally practice that at times. Um, you know, the verse in James, consider it joy. Not just, like, consider it partially good, but consider it pure joy when you encounter obstacles because God's working it for good for your good, for the good of others. Um, so just this morning, you know, I laughed when the question was, uh, what was the most stressful thing about getting here today? Uh, because, you know, of course, my one-year-old was throwing fits all morning long, and he didn't want to put his socks on, he didn't want to put his shoes on, didn't want to get his diaper changed, didn't want to get in the van. And my three-year-old was um, being really just kind of defiantly disobedient in ways he hasn't much lately in a long time and you know I had to spank him and then I had to spank him again before we even got in the van and so we're already a little bit late but I'm like classic I would totally expect this for a day when I'm going to go talk about stress not even going to let it get to me totally you know heart in the right place and so we get in the van we live in like Oklahoma North Plano and we start to drive down and there's traffic you know from 190 all the way down to 635 it's like slow and I was just like You've got to be kidding me. You know, like, it's, I'm supposed to be here, and I'm, like, not even off 75. And, uh, and I told the boys, I was like, guys, I just have to tell y'all. Do you know Mommy's going to go talk about stress this morning? And so we talked a little bit. We've been talking a little bit about what stress is and um, how that kind of relates to their world. And I'm like, how do you think God wants me to respond right now? Do you think this could be frustrating? I could be stressed out right now because I could be thinking, ooh, I'm late. I'm not going to be there when I need to be there. This is not going the way I wanted it to go. Do you think that's how God wants me to respond? You know, no. I'm like, what do you think he wants me to do? So we just talked about, uh, you know, our family verses, Colossians 3, 12 through 17, and we talked about clothing myself with gentleness and patience and kindness and compassion and all these things. Okay, I know he wants me to do that. So, um, you know, and I just thanked God for the traffic this morning. I was like, what a great 
opportunity for me to live out a little bit of what you have shown me I need to do, um, especially in light of some of my flesh struggles, before I go up there and talk about um, that. And I thought there's so much more freedom in that and there's so much more joy in that than just being stressed out. I'm going to be here when I'm here. You know, like, being stressed out doesn't get me here faster. It doesn't make me be in a better place when I'm here. You know, it only drains you. Um, and I just thought, God, so knows what he's talking about uh, when he tells us, consider it pure joy, when you, you know, encounter trials of many kinds. Or the verse that we um, put on your, at the top of this other sheet, Psalm 119, 143, it's the memory verse. I love this verse. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I can snap at my kids and act out of frustration, but that's probably not going to be joy for anybody. Um, I can escape and just distract myself with whatever while I let my kids go you know, take care of themselves for hours at a time, and that's not really going to do anything for anybody either. Or I can turn to God's word and I can turn to his commands and I can find joy in this is where you said life was. You are sovereign. You are good. It's your world, not mine. I'm going to delight in that. And, um, and so I printed out, I have went through and just picked out seven different passages that have commands that God gives us. And I thought, you know, what a great practical way to approach this week um, you know, you can cut them out, one for each day. And as you're, they can kind of be your stress meditations, you know, as you put it up on your refrigerator or you're in your car, wherever you are. Um, you know, and as you find yourself getting stressed, you know, and you can focus on what does God, what does God command me to do? I could choose to act out of my frustration and my stress, or I could choose to set my sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in honor. I can think about the things of heaven and not the things of the earth. I'm going to choose to do that today. Um, So anyway, I thought that I was hoping that would be very practical for you guys. And um, and in terms of of, uh, just practical ways we deal with stress at the Stellick House, I mean, nothing replaces the heart issue. I wanted to cover all of that first because... You can have tips on stress management and all that, deep breathing and do some yoga and whatever. But, you know, if your heart's in the wrong place, if you're passionate about the wrong things, you'll be stressed forever. And you'll just be, you know, managing chaos. And that's stress in itself. Um, So I wanted to talk about the whole heart of it, where it is for me, first. But, um, But there are, I think, real practical things we do at our house that help. I mean, sometimes you just have an off day. Right, or sometimes you just go and stir crazy in the house, and moods can just kind of feed off each other, and you just need to kind of reset the uh, reset the button on the family. And we find ourselves in that position frequently. Um, so the three of the things we use, uh, like medicine, are music, exercise, and fun. And um, music. Music is huge to me, and I don't think it's just because I sing or I'm a musician or anything like that. I think even biblically, you know, in 1 Samuel, when Saul was tormented by the evil spirit, the wise men in the land said, go find a really good musician and have him play, and it would calm Saul. And sometimes it is very much like an evil spirit in our house, I can tell you. Um, So I do, I use music like medicine. I have very strategic playlists on my iPod. Um, I have several of them. The music that was playing earlier, like, that's my stress 
um, my stress relief music. I've got, you know, a bunch of songs on there that, and I keep my little iPod dock in my kitchen because that is typically where most of the stress happens over food. I don't know why. I don't know why, but it's the dishes and it's the cooking and it's the and, 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 and that happens in the kitchen. Um, so, you know, it, but it's hard to be singing Let Your Name Be Lifted Higher when you're like, what are you doing to your brother? You know, like, it just resets me. It, it takes me out of my world and reminds me, oh, yeah, I'm passionate about you, not me. Um, so I've got, you know, music for me. I've got music for my kids. And, like, I have very specific music for each of my kids. If Noah is having an off day, the first song I go and play is Oh, Happy Day. Because that kid responds to it. If Sam's having an off day, it's Oh, No, You Never Let Go. If Ben's having an off day, he's a little heathen. I play Viva La Vida by Coldplay, but it works. And, and they, like, they're different personalities. They respond to different things. And so, like, I do. I use it like medicine. I prescribe music to them. I really do. And we have, you know, I have silly kids' songs. There's some good kids' music out there. There really is. If you were like me, when I first had kids, I was like, oh, dear God, I cannot listen to wheels on the bus and some of that it's just like I just physically I can't do it I can't listen to it it hurts my ears and my husband calls me a musical elitist and maybe I am but I cannot do it and there's some good stuff out there there really is so we have fun silly songs that we listen to I don't know like I think to me Lord the Lori Berkner band I don't know if y'all have any of her stuff it's so fun it's just secular fun songs but she's great with toddlers. Um, they love it. It sets a whole, you know, we march around like dinosaurs to We Are the Dinosaurs, and they love it, and it resets the mood in the house. Um, I've got a playlist for them that's kind of their worship music. I mean, songs that you would hear on Sunday morning, but it's kids singing them. The Cedarmont, worship, Cedarmont has a bunch of worship CDs for kids that they love. They love to hear little kids their age, their voice, singing those songs. Um, you know, so I've got music like that. And then, um, and then I've got a playlist. <laughs> I've got a playlist that is like nothing but super fast, super loud, super high energy songs. And we dance the whole time that playlist goes. And there's like nine songs on there. It's a long playlist. We're dancing our faces off for like 40 minutes. But it's the exercise, too, because everyone will tell you exercise is a natural stress reliever, right? So, like, we will dance and dance and dance. And sometimes it's like, all you need is just to kind of reset the tone. Things have kind of been spiraling out of control. We'll stop. We'll pray. We'll ask Jesus to help us have happy hearts, help us love each other, and I will turn on the dance music. And that 30 minutes will set the whole day on a different trajectory for us. So, um, And boys, like, I don't know if girls, I'm told, are maybe different than boys. Um, you know, but boys, they have got energy to expend. And sometimes it's not that I need to keep disciplining them and disciplining them and disciplining them. Sometimes it's just I need to give them a constructive way to get their energy out. So we will, you know, we'll dance. We'll, we have the Olympics in our house on a regular basis. I don't even keep furniture in one room. Like, I've got a chair and my piano and then the rest of the room is open because that's our like obstacle course room that we set up. We have jumping jack competitions. You know, Noah and I, all right, we're going to go. Let's see who can go the longest. And that boy can do jumping jacks till the cows come home. And he's a different kid after he's done. It's like, oh, he's expended some of that crazy energy, and we can now go and be focused and, you know, 
whatever. Or we'll just go outside and race. And I will get in there with them because most of the time I need to expend a little energy too, if I'm honest. Um, you know, so we'll go out and we'll have foot races. We'll go for a walk. We'll just exercise and let our bodies just kind of get rid of the, the crazy energy. Um, and then just fun. Like my to-do, I naturally make to-do lists. I have a list all the time in my head going. I have multiple lists going that are prioritized. It's all in my head. It's very organized. But having fun is never on the list for me. It's not. You know, I have 14 other things involving cleaning the house and doing, making errands and making phone calls and, you know, all of these things. But um, I just don't plan fun a lot. And that makes me sound like a bad mommy when I say it out loud. But I, but I don't naturally plan fun a lot. So, um, so I like to always have something I'm planning with the kids that's fun. You know, and not like things that cost money. We don't have the resources to plan trips here and there and go everywhere. That you, It just doesn't have to be that. Um, we make an event out of anything at our house. I make up bogus holidays about once a month that we celebrate for no reason at all. And it's great. You know, I like the kids. They love it. Um, what was last month? What is this? June? We haven't done one in June. Um, although, like last Saturday, I just told I told them Friday night, hey, I have big fun plan, a big fun surprise for us for Saturday morning. We're gonna tomorrow morning. We're gonna wake up and I'm gonna take you someplace fun. I had no idea where it was gonna be, but I just was like, that's a great idea. I'm gonna surprise the whole family. We're, I'm gonna take everybody someplace fun. Um, so like Saturday morning at 6 a.m., I'm up on the computer, I'm like, where am I gonna take them? Um, but uh, you know, but we went out to the nature preserve in West Plano and they played on the park and we went through all those trails. I don't know if y'all have ever been out there, but it was great. It was great, and it was just fun, you know. It was just, they were like, oh, that's a prize. That's the best thing ever, you know. It was fun for me to expend creative energy on them, that was focused on them, serving them, the family having fun together. You just, you're not stressed when you're doing that. Um, last month was, oh, May, Quattro de Mayo, when we celebrate four things I love about you. Um, the month before that, I think it was just because day. And we just did silly things just because we made homemade cards just because we just did, you know, just silly things. You know, but we planned family movie nights or um, I went back and was looking through my computer because I have archives stuff of so even when I when Paul and I were married without kids, like I would make an event out of anything. I kid you not, I made uh, an event out of buying him. Not that I'm about to say this is Sounds a little weird. Uh, out of buying him new boxers, because the man only can have one kind of boxer, and I had to go to the ends of the earth to get it. So, like, we had Happy New Underwear Day, and I had him hanging all over the apartment, and I sent him this whole, like, email about it and everything. Like, and it was just, it could have been just a boring thing to go buy some packages of boxers, but I just made a big deal out of it, and he thought it was hilarious, and we got a big kick out of it. Or, like, I used to drive the nice car, and he used to drive the beat-up car. And, um, you know, so I gave him a ride home in the nice car one day. And I went and I had it cleaned and, you know, had a little Starbucks in there waiting for him. And when he left work, he came down and he had the nice car to drive home in. And it was just little things that don't cost any money. That just takes a little bit of effort and creativity. And it's a stress reliever. And I think, one, because it's fun. I think another reason, because you're expending energy on someone else. And whenever you take the focus off of yourself and, and focus on serving someone else, it's that's just, you're just not stressed when you're serving someone else like you are when you're trying to feed your own um, furtherment. You know, even what's the, what's the verse? Um, 
an Isaiah that talks about he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Um, so anyway, the music, the uh, exercise, the fun, those are, uh, I think my battery might have died. Um, or no, maybe not. Um, it's a miracle. Um, so anyway, those are the real practical things we do to kind of deal with the stressed out moods that kind of come in our house. But really, I would encourage you to spend some time, um, and if the sheet helps you, great. If not, if you just need to sit and journal or whatever, to spend some time looking at when do I find myself getting stressed. Um, you know, or even if you're very brave, ask your husband, um, you know, when do you see me? stressing out because there's a lot of times when I don't even when I don't even see it sometimes and Paul will come to me you know at the end of the day and say hey I want to talk about earlier when you know the kids were you know you just really kind of snapped at them and I'm like that seems totally normal to me what you know what did I do you know and he'll say it just seems like you know it gets to you when we're planning something and it our schedule doesn't work out just like we planned it it just got to you today and I know you don't want to be like that. I know you, you know. Um, so if you're super brave, you know, to ask your husband, tell me when, you know, when do you see me struggling in this area? And just really ask the Lord to show you, what does that say about the state of my heart? Where is my heart? What am I passionate about? Help me be passionate about something that matters. How am I prioritizing and being intentional then to live out those passions? Um, because it can. It like, oh, y'all know, your world can just kind of disintegrate into chaos. If you aren't like, if you are not ordering your world, it is ordering itself, you know, in the shadow of madness. Um, especially if you have, you know, multiple kids. It's so, I mean, it's life is hard wherever you are because it's all you know. But like one was hard to me because it's new, you've never done baby before, is this normal, is this normal, is this a big deal, I don't know. Two was kind of easier to me because you've already done baby, it's not all brand new, and so it seems a little bit manageable. And everyone I knew told me when you have three, it's just the same as two, like three, four, five, once you've done multiples with two, it just gets easier. And I don't know what they were smoking, but like I would love some of it because three... Broke the bank for me. Like three took my personality of loving control and order and what I felt like was manageable, and it just like whew, shot it to pieces. Um, so life can just be crazy and chaotic. Y'all totally know that. I don't have to tell y'all that. So, um, so the sheet is there for you to you know spend some time kind of evaluating your own life, your own situations. You know, there's a proverb that says uh, I was just reading it in this book earlier. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. You know, it's one thing to look at your life and say, okay, these situations are trouble for me. When I, you know, when I go out with my kids, I find myself consistently stressed. So it says something about the state of my heart. But the simple will just keep doing the same thing. You'll just keep going to the store with the same mindset under the same circumstances and and experiencing the same results. But the prudent will see danger and take refuge, will find, will look ahead and say, this is an area of need. I'm going to change my course of action based on that. So, um, so hopefully that's a practical step for you. The verses are there for you if those are helpful for you. Um, so anyway, that is my, uh, my big journey in stress. And so however you might relate to it or be encouraged by it, that is... Uh, 
my prayer that you are furthered in your your own journeys with the Lord in that. So. Out of the New Living Translation, yeah. Okay, we're going to open it up for questions, and I just wanted to kind of wrap up. I mean, I know you ladies can all. I'm sitting there, and I'm a mother of a 16-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 9-year-old, and I can just tell you, it's still stressful. It just changes. But I will tell you, if you've got young children, if you will start now, and really, you know, I think at the end of the day, I mean, it's so great to just like sit in your bed and just make a little list and just say, where did I really get a star today and where did I really fail? Because I will tell you, just like I've always felt like when I've been on a diet, you know, if I grab that piece of candy at noon, I didn't just say, oh, the whole day's gone. I push my restart button because I can succeed. And I think if you snap at the kids, Push your restart button. I know my, I looked over at Gracie when I was filling out my little sheet because just the other day she just, she said to me from the mouth of a babe in the back seat, she said, Mom, you're just not being yourself today. You're not who you are. And I said, Well, sweetie, I mean, let me elaborate on that. And what I realized was I was not loving her well. I was snippy. I had an agenda. I was overcommitted. And so we changed, didn't we? And I think it's so great when your kids love you enough. And you're going to get to a point where your kids, if you're approachable, they will love you enough. And just like Sarah said, if you ask your husband, where am I struggling, be ready for what comes back at you. What can you look in the mirror and say, you know what, and your kids will do the same as they get older. I read a quote the other day, and it said, you know, we should have known getting into this motherhood starts with the word labor. I mean, so you know, and it doesn't end. But I will tell you, one of the things that changed my heart so much, and I think with the stress thing, was I was at BSF, and the leader said, how many people here have to do soccer? And some of you have already heard me say this, but I just think it was so telling. She goes, how many people have to do soccer carpool and this carpool and this carpool? And all these moans, there were probably 500 women. It was like, oh. And I looked at these two older ladies in front of me, and they looked at each other and went, and I thought, I got out of my carpool that day, thought I will never again. I thought I'm not going to miss the opportunity because in a few years, I'm going to be sitting there going, I would trade with them. I want to go back there. I want to be in that chaos. I mean, like she said, music and, and putting on a song, it can change your heart. I mean, how many people here have sat in a, a sermon and the, or, and the music and the worship time with the, the music and it brought tears to your eyes? It can change your heart. I mean, I love that when you said the quote, to die is to love. God let his son die on the cross for our sins. I mean, do we not think we can die to ourselves for these blessings that he's given us? I mean, I just would encourage you just to really assess what you're doing. I used to tell a friend of mine, she said, oh, she would, go, she would commit herself to all these things, and then she would bellyache about it. And I told her one day, I said, Kathy, would you quit wearing deodorant? And she was like, what? And I said, keep your arm down. I mean, she was so stressed out the whole time. She said, oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. I was like, keep your arm down. Just quit wearing deodorant and don't raise your arm. Because you're overcommitting. And your children and your family, and now she's divorced. And her family was suffering because of it. But she looked like the princess of the PTA and the, you know, anything. She was, her name was somewhere on the list. 
But I tell you, the blessings, and I think in that book, A Mother's Heart, which is one of my favorite books, I've probably read it four or five times, it talks about this is our mission. We don't need to, you know, really be, when our children are under five, we are all missionaries, and those are the people that we are imparting. And, I mean, our verse, clothe yourself with compassion in that Colossians 3.12, I was telling Sarah, that's our verse this summer. I'm like, dress for significance. Every day, put on all those things because it's compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness. I mean, that's a wonderful verse to cling to. So does anybody have any questions for Miss Sarah about stress? Because we're all there, and it's just a part of the job. I mean, you just have to realize, how can I handle it better? Um, the verse, I love what she gave you, is pressure and stress bear down on me. I find joy in your commands because that is where you will find joy in life. And you know it, and it's just you've got to realize. I was telling at the building blocks meeting one day about our cell phone. My cell phone has this annoying sound when it's low on batteries. And I'm thinking, I have an annoying sound when I'm low on batteries, and I haven't been recharged with the Lord. So at next time your, your cell phone is low on batteries, every time it makes that noise, I'm like, that's my heart sometimes when I haven't been recharged. So do you all have a question? Um, yeah. Okay, let me see. What did I already say? The Lori Bertner Band? Um, do you have any more suggestions for music? I wish Sarah needs to bring her CDs so we can all enjoy her music. Um, no. Uh, yeah, you know, for different age kids, different things. I think uh, Thingamakid has good arrangements of really just popular little kids' song. You know, just the Jesus loved me, you know, this is my command, those kinds of little um, Sunday school type songs. I like their... Um, I like their CDs. Uh, there's a Phil Joel CD has um, Deliberate Kids. Yeah. How do you spell that? Phil Joel, J O E L is the uh, last oh, okay, name. Joel. Yeah, um, Deliberate Deliberate Kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably geared towards a little bit older kids, but my three and four year old love it. Mm-hmm. You know, they love it. Um, All Scripture Memory, yeah, that's a great... Um, called Seeds. Called Seeds, yeah, it's All Scripture Memory. And, uh, we're, in fact, we're going to... Um, I told Ginger, Lord, that um, you know, when I, whenever I teach my kids Bible verses, I always put it to a little tune. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you wouldn't believe what two-year-olds and three-year-olds can remember. I mean, my three-year-old knows dozens of verses just because he's learned it to song. And um, and so anyway, I think I recorded. I mean, nothing fancy at all. It's just me and a piano. Um, like what I do with my kids at home. That I think they're going to give in the fall for all the memory verses for the curriculum. Mm. I think they're copying that. And then we have a bunch others um, that we do at our house that um, that we're probably going to make available. But that's. I mean, it's nothing fancy. It's just the. It's just the verse. So um, that will be a resource that's coming soon. But, um, but yeah, and just in terms of music, we, my kids love, they love the, the stuff they hear me doing, like when I'm practicing for a Sunday morning or whatever, like sometimes I'll bring them to rehearsal with me on Thursday night or whatever, or they'll come in the, you know, sanctuary during the worship time sometimes. They love that stuff. They love to, I mean, don't think you have to only put kids' music on for your kids. You know, we have great conversations. I was telling her when Stronger was playing. I love that song. And my kids, I mean, my boys, they love to talk about that song, Stronger. What is it? Me? Who's Stronger? 
You know, and we talk about how Jesus is stronger than anything in this world. And he's stronger than sin. He's stronger than death. He's stronger than Satan. He's, you know, we have great conversations about, um, you know, oh, no, you never let go. What does that mean that God never lets go of us? And um, they love the music. And then you get to have these great moments kind of explaining the content of it, so of the lyric. Um, so I would say any, you know, a lot of the stuff we do on Sunday mornings, and I think they have, do they just do the songs from the week on the website? Or do they have a whole page that... No, they just do. If you okay. go on to the notes from the Sunday, that's what I was telling, I mean, I'm so glad they do this now. If you really like the song in worship on Sunday, you can go to the notes which is on the website at the recent message series, and it'll say the songs, and then you can go to iTunes, straight to iTunes, and purchase them. That's not, not our leaders that are singing them, but, you know, whoever sings them, you know, you can go through, and you can listen to all different versions if you have a particular artist you like, um, and it's real easy. It right. just says the songs that they sang, and then you can go to iTunes well, I was and also- download them. Gonna say, there's some other fun stuff like uh, I was looking to see. I think it's called Munchkin. It's, this is not a Christian, um, but it's really fun, some fun stuff. Uh, Munchkin Music um, has a CD called One to Ten. They've got several CDs, but um, they do like five little monkeys swinging in a tree. That's really hilarious that my kids love. Um, so anyway, um, I'm trying to look. I have like six million songs on this, so I can't think any more off the top of my head. But, you know, Cedarmont has the work, kids' worship CDs. That's all the songs, you know, um, that we do in church, those, that kind of music, but the kids singing it. Um, that it's like I could much sooner listen to that than I could to, you know, some of the just... I don't mean to be mean about kids' music, but, you know, some of it is just those little high, shrieky voices singing, you know, twinkle, twinkle. You know, you're just like, oh, I know it's cute that they're not totally in pitch and whatever, but, like, mm, it hurts. Um, oh, but there's a CD. Yeah, the other one I was going to say was, you know, we also have a playlist of, like, down music that it's like sometimes we just need to sit on the couch, read a book, I'll put on, you know, some very calming music. And there's a great uh, Sing Over Me, Lullabies, I think is the name of it. And it has, like, Nicole Nordman and Christy Knuckles and Bethany Dillon and um, those kinds of girls singing. Um, I think they do, like, they do Jesus Loves Me. But mostly it's like, uh, How Great Is Our God and We Fall Down and some kind of late, mellow worship music. That's real sweet. It's, in, it's like lullaby, for, you know, and um, my kids love that one, too. So, anyway. David Crowder and Chris Tomlin have a ton of stuff that's real high-energy, fun. Um, you know, we, we dance our faces off to it. We really do. There's several David Crowder songs that are just super fun that are, you know. And it is true because I know my 16-year-old, she can listen to different stations. And one day, Gracie said, 
Mom, we just don't need to be listening to that. That isn't teaching us anything about Jesus. So from the mouth of a babe, I've been Because you can kind of just allow them to kind of get, and it is garbage in, garbage out. You know, you really have to start thinking about that. I just think all kids, I mean, how many times have you heard a song and you didn't like it, but then somebody in your family likes it and they keep playing it and playing it or you keep hearing it in church. And then before long, you know, you'll just be doing something and you'll find yourself humming it or singing it. It's like, so whatever you're listening to, your kids do get a love for it. Just like you get a love for, you know, whatever, right. whatever they like. Well, like we were listening to, uh, I just had the radio on the other day to whatever, and Leona Lewis' song, Bleeding Love, came on. And Noah's like, well, how come she's bleeding love? And I was like, well, it's so much easier to explain worship songs than it is some of the other songs. Yeah, really. uh, you know, so you can't get into, into trouble with Does that. anyone have another question? Read the because <laughs> she's asking how you know how do you really be purposeful about teaching your children Bible verses throughout the day and not just say well let's go read the Bible mm-hmm. so how would you um, I that's a big thing for me is um, is t- is teaching them to memorize verses so I do kind of make a big deal out of that. I have to be strategic in the way I do it because my oldest is a perfectionist and he gets frustrated if he can't do it right the first time. So I don't even tell him we're learning a new Bible verse. I just start singing it around the kitchen because it's not too hard. I mean, if he hears it five or six times, then he can do it. But if I say we're going to learn a new Bible verse and I tell him what it is, he's like, okay, I can do it by myself. I'm like, no, you can't. And it's okay that you can't. We're just going to pr- but. He- that just sets him on the road to whatever. So I don't even tell him we're learning a new Bible verse. I just start singing it, and then pretty soon he's singing it. I'm like, you know what? That's our new Bible verse we're going to learn, and then we can talk about it. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, and I try to make it fun. Um, you know, where my second one, I, could, I can just say, why don't you repeat after me, and we learn it more, you know, systematically. Um, but I try to make it fun. Like, we have all the verses we've learned are on a little card in a little bowl by our kitchen table. And so, like, you know, each morning when we wake up, one of them picks a verse out. That's going to be the verse we review that day. That we, you know, we don't learn a new verse every day, you know, or every week even. But um, I kind of always try to be in tune with kind of where they are and what I think might feed them spiritually, what they're capable of learning. You know, it's like the last one we learned was First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Because, no, I just felt like Noah was stressed about things. You know, he would, I would hear him saying, I'm worried about that. I'm like, what do you have to be worried about, you know, at four? But I'm like, no, he is worried about that. And he needs to learn to, where to go when he is worried. And so we learned, you know, First Peter 5, 7. We haven't learned one since then, and that was probably three weeks ago. But we're always reviewing the verses we know and, um, and I, I mean, I try to choose really practical things. Have the same attitude. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Do, you know, if some of these, that you don't have to look for teachable moments to, you know, apply those. They're all over the place. And, and that's the thing is, I think if you, if you really pray about that and just ask God to show you where to implement, you know, it's kind of the old saying, if you're too busy to pray, then you're way too busy. I mean, pray about, you know, God opening up those opportunities. Like, let's say that you, you know, just find some time to have some quiet time, and God may show you a verse that you might be reflecting on, and then later that week, your daughter or son may do something, and you might be able to bring that out. Just like, 
If they're arguing and complaining, you can say Philippians 2.14, do all things without, you know, the Bible tells us to do all things without arguing and complaining or, or yeah, there's, right. yeah, murmurings and disputings. I mean, there's different versions of it. But, I mean, God will show you and just start interjecting those. But like you know. with the, with teaching them the verses, like I don't sit down. We, it's hard for us because my youngest is almost two, and he's just at a stage where it's so hard to do anything focused with my older two for any period of time because he is destroying everything we do, or mad because I won't let him be at the table because he will destroy everything we do. And so, like, I have a hard time sitting down for 30 minutes and working with the older two on something. So, like, with the verse, that's just easy for me to be singing it, for them to kind of pick Mm -hmm. it up, and I'll kind of revisit it throughout the day of, oh, does anybody remember, how does that new verse that we're, you know, memorizing start? And they'll just say, and we might, you know, review it once or twice, and that's it, and we move on. Um, you know, but by the end of the day, they've learned it, and they know that if Dad comes home and they can say their new verse for him, they're going to get a jelly bean, and um, you know, and then that's that's it. And then we review it. We put it in our jar, and we review it as it you know comes up, or I pull it out in whatever situation that it applies to, and we talk about it. But that's not like that took me an hour to sit down and work with them on something, teach them something. That's just kind of as we go. Yeah. Um, okay. Let me just cut. She just oh, feels yeah. very stressed at the grocery store. And in those situations, and she's just wondering how to kind of process that. And because she'll say, you know, I know you need to go to the grocery store and you need to do those things, but it gives her the feeling of just kind of being overwhelmed. And so she just wants ways to. Yeah, um, a couple of things come to my mind with that. Um, You know, Trish Kegler always talks about parenting within the funnel and like recognizing what your children are capable of and what they are not capable of. And, um, and so I would say there, there is the reality that at, some, at certain seasons, based on your kid's age and whatever, they are not capable of, like for a long time after my third was born, I didn't even go to the store with them. I just went after my husband got home from work and he could watch at least two of them and I might take one or I might go by myself because it just, we weren't, it wasn't a realistic expectation for me to even be able to get through the grocery store without craziness, just given Ben's age. So um, I just took that off the table even for several months um, and just kind of recognized that I'm trying to do more than we are capable of. I'm living outside the funnel, so I'm going to kind of come back in and do what what we are capable of. Um, But, I mean, even so, we still have times now when I tell my boys, you need to have self-control. We are in a store. It's not a playground. You need to respect this store, and you need to obey mommy. I don't want you being crazy running up and down the aisles. And then they're running crazy up and down the aisles and that's when you just have to be willing to say I mean and I have told my boys and I've only had to do it a couple of times but I'll tell them if you cannot obey we will leave the cart right here we will go out to the van you will get a spanking and we'll come in and we'll try it again and and that takes the stress off of me because I'm trying to my passion is I want to just get this done now, it's not convenient to go out to the van, leave my stuff here, and go spank you, and then come back in, and maybe or maybe not you will have improved, you know, like as anybody's guess as to what goes on from there, um, you know, but at least when I have my action, when I know what my action steps are based on there, I'm, I'm ordering the situation, I'm giving order and direction to our situation, and it's realistic, and it's clearly communicated, and then I don't have to stress of what if they keep disobeying, what if they, I know what happens if they keep disobeying, I take them out to the van, I spank them, and I come in and I try again, and maybe we're capable of coming in and trying again, or maybe I just have to leave my cart there with all the stuff, and we just go home, because they've proven that they can't, you know, be responsible and obey me in the store, 
Um, so those are kind of a, a couple of things that come to my mind when you when you say that. We have, I mean, I have had the screaming meltdown um, in the store with the you know ladies giving me the evil eye, and one lady totally getting on my kids for ringing the service bell, you know, whatever. And it's like had that moment where it's just like, but I'll have 90% off on this Christmas stuff that's out of season and I want to just go buy it, but my kids are being crazy and like, what's more important right now? Paying, you know, getting a great deal on Christmas decorations. What am I more passionate about? My great deal on Christmas decorations or shepherding my kids in this moment, which calls for my intervention and my action right now. And that day, for me, the 90% off Christmas decorations were more important. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and my kids suffered for it, and I suffered for it because we did. We created a whole scene in the store, and it was horrible. Um, so anyway, <laughs> you have to know what your family is capable of, what's a realistic expectation based on, you know. But also, I think sometimes I view, uh, I view like we are performing when really we're practicing. Like, my kids can't be expected to perform to a certain level all the time. We're going to practice good behavior. We're going to practice obeying today. And if they can, you know, do a great job, then great. They get affirmed. They get praised. They get whatever. And if they, you know, we didn't make it, we're going to have a talk about that or we're going to have consequences or we're going to practice. Right now we are practicing in the Stella household how to behave in a store. And so I'm setting my kitchen up like a whole little cash register or whatever. And they're learning. We don't. Climb on things and hang on things because it's not your playground. This store doesn't belong to you. This belongs to them, and we're going to respect their things. We're not going to treat it like it's, you know, our jungle gym. And so we're just in very concrete ways practicing going, putting things on the counter, giving them our money, not, you know, running around being crazy. See, how, so. that's so great. I mean, stuff like that role-playing. Yeah. Also, I think when you go to the grocery store, don't go with a list of, your weekly stuff. I mean, just have a top ten list, what you need. Because when they're in training, you know, it's kind of like when I talk about when you go out to dinner, you know, in the beginning. When they come and say, what would y'all like to drink? Go ahead and put your order in. I mean, when your kids are in the training mode, you know, go to restaurants, you know what you want, put your order in when they have the drink. And then if you have time to have dessert and they're doing great, then extend it. But people that just order their drinks and then wait and then finally order their meal and then by that time their kids are just frizzle-frazzled. I mean, you know, why set yourself up for failure? Kind of do little bitty things. I applaud kids need to know how to go to the store. They need to know how to. So, but don't have realistic expectations. Just have a top ten list. What do I need to get dinner on the table tonight? And if you <laughs> only get three of those things, leave with a great attitude and swing through Boino and just get dinner. <laughs> I mean, you know, just, but have a good attitude. You know, it's just. You know, that's the key is, I mean, my kids, I mean, I've got now that they're older, last summer or a couple of summers, we got in the car and I was like, oh, this has been more recent, I guess. I, they fought the whole time in the store and I really didn't say anything. They were kind of bickering. And then I got in the car and I just leaned around and I said, how many people did y'all just win over for Christ in there? And they looked at each other, Grace, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Blaine, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. Or I've gone in and said, okay, we're going to go out to lunch with so-and-so if y'all act correctly they didn't act correctly so i didn't say anything to them while we were in there i got in the car i picked up my phone i said patty this is millie i hope you'll take bradley to a wonderful place for lunch the hales have decided to go home and have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at home they're going mom grace you you know they're back there i'm like sorry guys y'all knew the consequences we drove home 
And, you know, she had a teachable moment, Miss Bartow did with her son, and I had a teachable moment because they learned that that's not how we act. So that's as they get older. When they're younger, though, don't set yourself up for failure. Do what you can do. The end of the story is you have a good attitude. And I've asked people in the store when mom were two and had a temper tantrum, if they looked at me funny, I'd say, how old do you think my son is? And they'd go, um, two, and I'd go, oh,